Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Well, we can start at really what is our, our text for uh, this series, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 2. And the Bible is clear that you and I are born spiritually uh, as babies. We've received a spiritual birth. We start as being a baby in the Lord. And he says that because we are newborn babies here in 1 Peter 2, 2, it says that you and I need to desire, uh, crave, seek, look for the sincere milk of the word. And so understand that the Bible is food and nourishment for our spirit man. Hallelujah. It says that if we'll get that milk of the word in us, it says that we will grow thereby. Or we will grow because of that influx of the knowledge of God's word that comes inside of us, especially when we practice it. So we have a responsibility as a believer to grow up to mature, to become more like Christ every day as we follow him. Now, we found out last time, and it seems like this may be our fifth or sixth installment, not necessarily on Wednesday night, but talking here recently about the love of God. The, the, the love of God is, is a catalyst for so many different things in our life. It brings a lot of things online. In our spirit man. And here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children. We need to grow up. And then it says that one of the signs or one of the reasons we do grow is in verse 15 that we begin speaking the truth or speaking the word of God in what manner? In love. Now remember the... the, the definition or one definition of the God kind of love if it is it's that that prefers others before ourselves so in speaking the truth in love to someone else we're endeavoring to impart life and to benefit them we're not using it as a ball bat <laughs> right no we're, we're using it to edify to build up to give them a greater knowledge of who they have or excuse me who they have inside of them and what he's given them. So it says that when you speak the truth in love, when you walk in love, you grow up. Amen. Come on. Grow up. Yeah. In how many things? In all things? In all things. So displaying or walking in the light of God's love will promote or cause spiritual growth to manifest in our hearts. And I think that this is a, a gauge, so to speak. Each one of us needs to locate ourselves in how mature we are. Our maturity in Christ is not how many years we've been going to church. 
I wish it was. We'd all be spiritual giants. Amen. <laughs> right? Some of us have been going for, well, let's just say decades. But that has, chronological time has nothing to do with spiritual growth. And many Christians are disillusioned thinking that they're spiritual and mature and all grown up. But maybe they haven't been measuring themselves in how they're walking in love with others. Now, don't get quiet on me. We just got started. <laughs> let's, let's stay hooked up here. Amen. So if I want to gauge how spiritual I am, how mature I am, I need to start looking at how I treat others. Amen. Am I speaking the truth about them? Or am I speaking my opinion about them? There's a huge difference between those two things. Amen. And so that's how we begin seeing where we are in terms of spiritual growth. Now look down here in Romans chapter 5. I'll, I'll see if I can get going here. We just made the statement that walking in the God kind of love causes you and I to grow spiritually. Anytime you deny yourself to follow the Lord, you're growing. Right? What did he say? He says, pick, pick up my cross. Well, how many of you know you can't pick up his cross if you're still carrying your cross? Come on. What you want, what you desire, what you want to see happen. So when we pick up his cross, what he has for our life, that's when you really begin to grow. Now, look here. You and I have the ability to walk in the God kind of love. Look here, it says, fifth verse of Romans 5, it says that hope maketh ashamed because the love of God, everybody say the love of God. And this is from the King James. It says it in an unusual way that we're not used to hearing it in the English language. It says that his love has been shed abroad in our hearts. You could say it's been poured into our hearts. And that happened the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, we know that we're the temple of God. Well, how did we become the temple of God? Well, we confess Jesus as our Lord. And in order to recreate us, to raise us from the dead, the Holy Spirit had to come into our spirit in order to accomplish that. So when God, the Holy Spirit, came into your heart, when you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, your spirit was resurrected, and now God's love is a part of you. As much as you're a part of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, his love is now resonant in our spirit. And therefore, if we'll draw on that love, if we'll yield to that love, and ignore the desires of our flesh and, and ignore the desires of our emotions and act on that love that's in us, we have the capacity to love any person. Amen. Any person. Regardless of what they've done to us. Amen? Amen? Yes, sir. I'm not sure how, if I should spend much time in this. Let, let me just solidify what we just said. 
The love of God is now our nature. By imparting himself into us, we now have his nature. Look at this. This is the prophet Ezekiel. If you don't want to look it up, just write this verse down. It begins in Ezekiel 36, verse 24. Chapter 36, verse 24 of Ezekiel. And understand that he's prophesying about you and I or every person that will receive Christ after the ascension of Christ. After he paid the price and then sat down at the right hand of God. It says that I'm going to take you this is the Holy Spirit talking about you. I'm going to take you from among the heathen and I'm going to gather you out of all countries or nations and I'm going to bring you into your own land. He's talking about spiritually. Remember, our relationship with God is first and foremost spiritual. It's a spiritual relationship. It's not a mental relationship. It's not a physical relationship. It's not a relationship with our mind. It's not a relationship with our body. It's a relationship with our heart. And he says that I'm going to sprinkle clean water upon you. Titus tells us in chapter 3, verse 5, that he washed us with the washing of the word. See, we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, that is the word of God that liveth and bideth forever. So the word of God has been the, has been the instrument or the seed that God has used to recreate us. And you're now clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols, and I will cleanse you. He says, verse 26, a new heart. Right? We're new creatures, right? We're brand new. A new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take out away from you the stony heart. That's the selfishness of who we were before Christ. That was the me, me nature. Me, 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 right? Everything was about me. I've taken that stony heart out of your flesh, and I have given you a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh is a tender heart. It's a heart of love. And I will put my spirit within you, which will cause you to walk in my statutes or to walk in my ways, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And so that's why Jesus rightfully instructed us, or should I say commanded us, to walk in love. This one commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. He was able to give us that command because he knew he had placed his love in us. Enabling us, empowering us to love the unlovely. Hallelujah. Now, if you want to know what this love looks like, I see now that I need to, to go into something uh, different now. So just let me give you this reference. If you're uh, either watching online or maybe here, you want this reference. But if you want to see a, an example or the, the, the sort of the outline of what it looks like to walk in the God kind of love, 
You see it over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, on down through the 8th verse. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And don't read it from the King James, because King James saw fit to call agape, the, the God kind of love, to use the English word charity. If you think about that, that's actually that makes a lot of sense. Because what is charity? Given to somebody in need. Right? But I like to use ver, uh, versions, translations that use the word love. And every time you see that word love in those four verses, then you know it's talking about agape, the God kind of love. And it'll show you what that love looks like, and then you can compare yourself to that. Oh, I do this. Oh, wait a second, I don't do that. Well, that's just pointing out an area that we can grow in. Come on, that's See, if you want water out of a well, you got to draw it. Yes. And if you want love out of your spirit, you got to draw it. It doesn't overtake you. Whoa, yeah. Amen? you got to draw it out. Hallelujah. And so just do that, and you'll, uh, you'll be a blessing. <laughs> Amen? Oh, you'll be a blessing. Now, we're going to talk about other ways to grow we talked about love being a catalyst of growth but understand that growing in the Lord also includes growing in the knowledge of God or growing in the knowledge of the Word of God and we just read first Peter 2 2 early on that we grow when we desire the sincere milk of the word and we also grow you can see uh, by the word in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 I want to look at five interesting key ways that we can grow through increasing the knowledge of God in our life. And this is an area that each one of us as newborn babes, we need to grow in five particular areas in the knowledge of God. And I, I suggest you write these down. I, this is just my personal opinion, but I, I'm assuming that very few Christians throughout the world could give you an answer to all five of these areas. You ready for it? Okay, we're talking about growing in the knowledge of God in five particular areas. Number one, the first area of knowledge that we need to be mindful of is who are you? In Christ who are you who have you become you see most Christians think that their body is them but we know that can't be true because our body came from the earth and Jesus told us over there in John chapter 3 verse 3 that you are born from above being born again means that you're being born of a heavenly birth didn't say an earthly birth your body has experienced a earthly birth that ain't you if it was we'll have to say goodbye to you when we bury your body because it's that's where it's staying as it goes back to the earth amen but we're eternal our inner man which is our spirit is the part of us that's been born again and you're not a mind 
Your mind has been conformed by the world. So that can't be you. Plus, it's not a mental birth. It's a heavenly birth. So who have I become? Who are you? Are you always talking about your body? Come on. Come on. Well, if you are, you don't know who you are. I don't always talk about my house. I live in the house, but I don't talk about it. I don't relate to it as being me. No, it's just the place I live. So who are you? Well, for an example, so you know what we're talking about, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that if you're in Christ, and that's an interesting statement. See, as Christians, we've become a part of Jesus Christ. And so we're now in him. We now identify with ourselves as to who we've become because now we're in Jesus. We're in Christ. We're in whom? We're in him. And this scripture says that because I'm now in Christ, I am a new creature. Have you ever looked in the mirror and say, I'm getting old? That's a lie. That's a bald-faced lie. You're not getting older. That's your house getting older. You're not a house. (laughs) You're a new creature. The Bible says your body's going to pass away, but the man on the inside is renewed day by day for all eternity. We're going to see really soon here that this time that we spent on the earth was but a breath compared to eternity. And we're going to go, man, I wish I hadn't lived so much for that house I was living in. And should have cared more for that man on the inside. Amen? So who are you in Christ? I think that this might be a good time for an advertisement. Now a word from our sponsors. There's one book in particular that you should have. And you may be able to get it as an electronic book. For those of you who are overseas, maybe there isn't a a Christian bookstore down the street of you, you can look up uh, for this book that Kenneth E. Hagen wrote. It's called In Him. It's just a little mini book. But it contains inside of it I think it's somewhere around 143 or 140 times in the epistles where the term in Christ, in whom, in him is is quoted and it gives you an idea of who you've become as a believer. And some of the things it says that you are, your mind's going to go, no, you're not. (laughs) Well, at least my mind did when I first looking at the in him scriptures. But guess what? I was looking at the wrong part of myself. I was looking at my outer man and not my inner man. And you need to start finding out who you become. Not only are you a new creature, but you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. And so when you 
get that book and you begin going to your Bible and finding out who you've become through this heavenly birth, it'll begin changing you. Your, your perspective on things are going to be altered. Your priorities are going to get realigned. Your desires are going to change. And you're going to start seeing your purpose in Christ. It's awesome. So get that book. I said get that book. And uh, it'll bless you. In Him. Small mini book by Kenneth E. Hagen. All right, the second area of knowledge that you and I need to receive to grow is who lives in you. Who indwells you on the inside? Who is with you in your spirit man? Who's dwelling inside of you? Look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, don't you know? <laughs> That's an interesting uh, way to start this out. You know that here the Apostle Paul is writing the, the church at Corinth, and they were acting in a particular way that was ungodly and immature. And so we asked them a question. Don't you even know who lives inside of you and you're out doing that? Ouch. Do you not know that you are God's temple? You are God's dwelling place. You are God's tent. You are God's tabernacle. You are God's home. Now, we're not talking about receiving a force or a power the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's God. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit came inside of us, and that's who resurrected us. And he's there for a divine purpose. Do you know what he's willing to do for you and I? We need to find out. Amen? We need to find out. We could preach on this for multiple months on what the Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is willing to do for you and I because He's our helper. He's our counselor. He's our standby. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator. Hallelujah. Did I say teacher? Mm. we have God living inside of us and therefore have access to unlimited knowledge and wisdom. Oh my goodness. How many times have you and I said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Well, you're not conscious of God, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, are you? You may not know, but you guess what? He'll help you to know. Amen, yes. Glory. 
That's why I like 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. <laughs> Aren't you glad this is true? You are of God. I love seeing myself a part of him. In the same way that this little pinky here is a part of this overall body, so are you and I a part of God. Amen. We are members of the body of Christ, a member in particular. Therefore, we have relevance. Therefore, we have importance. Therefore, we have purpose in him. You are of God, little children, and have overcome the devil. Do you know whatever you're facing tonight, you got the overcomer living in you? Yeah, but I'm this and I'm that. Well, that may be true. Every one of us is limited. But the one who's in us is not. And he's willing to allow us to use his resources, even his very power, to get over and to overcome. For greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world or is whatever you're looking at with your eyeballs right now that you don't like in your life. He'll put you over. Amen? Hallelujah. Number three. Remember, we're talking about knowledge, areas of knowledge that we need to grow in so that we begin to mature spiritually. Number three. What has Christ wrought for you through his death, burial, and resurrection? Do you know what's rightfully yours? Huh? Do you know what's rightfully yours because of what Jesus Christ did in your behalf? Here in Galatians chapter 3, Verse 13, and you realize that we could just talk a while on each one of these individual points. I'm just getting them highlighted for you. And if you've got any uh, desire to pursue these things, just get into your book, the book he wrote to you, and start looking, looking them up. Or there's plenty of resources that will help you. The little book pointing to the big book, like the book in him. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ, and you understand that Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Come on. The name of Jesus is Jesus. Christ is his title, is his vocation. It's his office. Christ means the anointed one. Christ means the Messiah. It means that he's the Lamb of God that has come to be the mediator to join us individually and collectively to God. So it says that the anointed one, this is Christ, your Messiah, on the cross. He has redeemed us. He has purchased us. He has paid for us the debt that we could not pay. 
What did he buy us back from? The curse. The curse of the law. Now understand that the curse is primarily threefold. Number one, the curse is spiritual death. Remember? We've all been held captive before Christ in our trespasses and sins. We were eternally separated from God. We were dead, spiritually speaking. We were still a living, eternal spirit, but we were separated from the life of God. We've been redeemed from spiritual death. Number two, we've been redeemed from sickness and disease. That's why you'll see all through scriptures the forgiveness, is, the forgiveness of sins and the healing of our body. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes your body was healed. Ye were healed. Amen? Amen. So understand that at the same time that Jesus redeemed you from sin and that fallen sin condition, he also made provision for your body. Because you and I got some things to do for him, and he wants us to do it through a healthy body. And he wanted to shut the devil off from cutting us off early in life. Amen? Amen. So when he made provision for our spirit, he made provision for our body. The third part of the curse of the law was poverty. It was lack. Again, why would he be interested in whether we have a financial supply? Because you and I have some things to do for the Lord. Amen? And part of what we do for the Lord is take care of our families. Amen? So the curse is threefold. Spiritual death, it's sickness, and it's financial lack or poverty. And the Israelites got a promissory note on all three of those areas. You saw them receive forgiveness. That was a promissory note to what Jesus was going to provide for the world. You saw them walk in health. Remember? Moses put up that cross and put the snake on it. And when they looked at it, they were healed in their body. And he also provided for them financially. Just read about how much King David gave to the building of the temple and how much his mighty men gave. Unbelievable. It was in the billions to build the temple under God. Hallelujah. You understand that he, he hasn't made us rich for us to just solely heap it on ourselves. You get that, right? If you think that, then you're still thinking with a worldly mind or a selfish mind. No, he gave us more enough, yes, to take care of our household and all those things that we have to set our hand to do as a father, as a mother, as a husband, and a wife. But he also wants us to facilitate the preaching of the gospel throughout the world. Yes. And if you just want enough for you and your folk, you need to broaden your view. Amen? 
He's made us rich so we'd have an overflowing supply to facilitate the preaching of the gospel. So here we see Jesus on the cross. We're talking about what he wrought for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. He was made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. That tree is the cross. Now why did you do that, Jesus? So that verse 14 would become activated in our behalf. He took the curse so that the blessing would come on us. Amen. What blessing? It's the blessing of Abraham, the, Abra the, the Abraham covenant, so to speak. That blessing has come down upon you and I through Christ. That the blessing of Abraham would come who? Upon whom? On the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Now, the blessing is threefold, just like the curse is. The blessing is threefold. Number one is spiritual life. What did, what did it say about Jesus in John 3, 16? If you believe in him, you'd have what? Eternal life. Eternal life is the God kind of life. It's not how long you'll live. It's talking about the quality of life. It's God's life. His life is what resurrected us through the Holy Spirit. And now we have everlasting life. Glory to God. Number two is healing for the body. The blessing is healing for our body. Number three is having an overflowing supply. Blessed in that area of provision. Amen? Well, how do I access it? You see, the blessings don't come to any individual automatically. We got that memo, right? <laughs> no blessing automatically becomes ours. We have to receive it because God instilled within us a will, that power of choice. And so we have to choose and receive the blessing. How do we do that? That you might receive... The promise of the Spirit, that's the blessings of Abraham. How? Through faith. That's why we teach faith. We live by faith. To receive his blessings every day. Number four, I gotta hurry. Number four, you need to have the knowledge of your standing before the throne of God. You see, you and I, primarily in both worship and in prayer, intercession, supplications, we go before the throne of God. We need to know what our standing is before his throne to implement the ministry of Jesus Christ as our high priest. Look here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Boy, that's something we should teach on. The present day ministry of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4, 16. Therefore, let us do what? Come boldly. What does this word boldly mean? Unashamed. Without guilt. Without condemnation. 
Amen? Amen. If, if, if you're still nervous about going before God, if you wonder, well, will he hear my prayer? Will, will, will he receive my worship? Will he have anything to do with me? Then you don't have the knowledge of your standing before God that's been provided for you and I through Jesus Christ. He says we can come boldly unto the throne of grace. And what shall we get? That we will obtain mercy and find grace. That's every time. I said that's every time. Because you have a standing before God because of what Jesus has provided for us. Amen? And we don't have to hope or wish that he'll listen to us. No, it's a done deal. Amen? Number five, we need to have the knowledge of our authority in Christ. The knowledge of our authority in Christ. And particularly in the hour that you and I live. See, the early church knew their authority. They walked in that authority. The present-day church has gotten away from exercising authority over the devil and over his works. We're coming back to it, amen? Amen. I said we're going to pick that back up. Look here in Luke 10, 19. This is Jesus speaking to those that he authorized to represent him. You are one of those now in this church age. You're representing Jesus Christ. And in so he has empowered you. He's authorized you. He's given you his authority. It's the authority of heaven that we use here on the earth. Hallelujah. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We have heavenly, heavenly weaponry, heavenly authority. Amen? Amen. He says, I give you authority. And we understand that authority is delegated power. It's you representing someone else, and you're operating with their power. And that's why you have authority. You've got authority to tread on, walk on. See, you and I need to get used to walking on the devil. Treading, stepping on the devil. The only thing the devil needs to see in your life is the bottom of your shoes, the bottom of your feet. Remember, the scripture tells us that God was going to make the earth his footstool. What does that mean? That he would override this stolen authority that Satan took from Adam. And he would actually put his authority on top of the devil's neck down here on the earth. He's made the earth his footstool. He's standing on the earth right now with his neck on the devil. He's a defeated foe, and he's given you and I that authority to tread on him anytime he raises his head to interrupt your life or to interrupt interrupt the blessings that God has given you on this earth through Jesus Christ. 
Amen? He says here that I've given you authority to walk on serpents and scorpions. Those are types and shadows or descriptions of the devil. Remember, he was a serpent in the, in the garden. And over, look at this part. I'm in Luke 10, 19. You bring your shouting clothes tonight? I said, you bring your shouting clothes tonight? You ready to get excited? He says, I give you authority over all the power. All the power. All the power of whom? Of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you when you stand up and use that authority. Amen. Praise God. I think we've run from the devil far too much. I think we just need to hold our ground. That's what it tells us to do. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. And then it tells you to stand therein, in that authority. Not running, but standing. Saying, uh-uh, honey, I resist you in the name of Jesus. Therefore, you're fleeing from me as in terror. Amen. Glory to God. Well, these are five areas. We, we had more that we're gonna, we were going to look into. I guess we'll take that up next time. Does that make sense? You and I need to have the knowledge, first and foremost, of who we become in Christ. Number two, who lives inside of us. Number three, what Christ has wrought for us through his great plan of redemption. We're to have a knowledge of our standing before the throne of God, and we're to have the knowledge of our authority in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we're so thankful tonight that as newborn babes, we can grow in the knowledge of God. We can grow in walking in your love. Lord, we're not satisfied with where we are right now. We want to grow more. We're not going to stop. We're not going to become complacent. No, we're going to continue to press in. Press in learning how to become more compassionate and loving and forgiving and to be that voice of love that edifies and builds up and strengthens and encourages and that we will grow in the knowledge of who we are, what we have, how we can stand before you washed clean and pure, being able to, re to, to rely upon God the Holy Spirit in us. And then to walk, to walk in heavenly places in Christ, using that heavenly authority on the earth. For whatever we bind here on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose and allow here on this earth is loose and allowed in the heavenlies. Thank you for the keys of the kingdom of God. Thank you for helping us to walk in those truths. Now let's just lift our hands and say, thank you, Lord. Say, I choose to grow. I choose to be more like Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, thanks for coming.